This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Welcome back to the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. And got quite a bit of news this week. A lot of retro news coming out this week. Um, you had actually talked about uh, before we started the show. Um, we have one story that you've covered like three times this week, but we're going to cover it again. Yeah, third time's the charm, right? So yeah, actually we can do that one first. And, I, and I'll go ahead and read it since you, you've talked about it quite a few times if you want me to. Sure, go ahead. All right, well, um, let's go ahead and go into our news. Castlevania is coming to Netflix as an animated show. Uh, this comes to us from RetroGamer.net. Um, produced by Adi Shankar, Netflix's new show will be spread across four 30-minute episodes with a second season to follow in 2018. It's written by famed comic book author Warren Ellis, who is also producing alongside Shankar, Kevin Cold, and Fred Seibert. Animation is being uh, handled by Frederator Studios, the same company behind the excellent Adventure Time, and Shankar is promising it to be the Western world's first good video game adaptation. That's that's a bold statement, so uh, let's hope that they can do good with this. That's a tall order to fill because there have been a lot of attempts and a lot of failures. I think this is actually pretty promising. Uh, I don't know a ton about Castlevania, but I think having it be a uh, an animated series and doing like a – it's almost like they're doing a test yeah. for Netflix by only having four episodes. But all we need – and I've said this you know, in all the other times that I've covered the, this story. All we need is one – we need exactly. one good adaptation to just kind of break through that barrier, and I, I really think that more will follow. Well, An interesting story about this, kind of a, a side note, this is made. This is being made by the same guy who did the uh, Dark Power Rangers pilot, oh. I believe it was last year, and is also in the works of doing an animated Power Rangers series that is going to retell the first three seasons of the show, <laughs> but with a much darker tone to it, so... This guy's going to be busy for a while. Well, sounds like it. And Castlevania is pretty much ripe for this type of um, type of thing. I'm, I'm talking about animation. I mean, I really don't think you could pull this show off that well. I mean, you could, but it would be campy if you did this as live action. I think it, this is the perfect medium is to do it as an animated show. And if it works, hell, we could get Metroid, Mega Man, uh, Zelda, Zelda uh, something decent uh, about Super Mario Brothers, you never know. I mean, it, this this could kick the door wide open if it's done well. If this opens the door to a Zelda Netflix series, I will straight up melt in my chair. Yeah, I, I'll be the same way. And I, I really did like Silent Hill, the first movie, which is I think is pretty much the only good adaptation of a video game property. 
granted it's not great but it's still a pretty good movie but this if they can pull this off this 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 should be good i hope so you know like i said all we need is one and let's just hope that this is the one but it'll be an interesting story to follow for sure yeah well, this next story we have, I actually put this in here, in there for you because you're, I know you're a much bigger sports fan than I am. Yeah, uh, Super Nintendo's NBA Jam Tournament Edition gets a 2017 player update with new secret characters, and this comes from RetroCollect.com. What's not to love about NBA Jam? Despite its age, the two-on-two matchup has stood the test of time with its fast-paced action and hilarious multiplayer gameplay. Knowing how well regarded the game is, it should come as no surprise that fans have unofficially updated the game to feature this year's roster. With the all-new title NBA Jam 2K17, this brand new ROM hack for the Super Nintendo updates NBA Jam Tournament Edition, all whilst keeping the original gameplay intact. This includes various new team additions and a massive 117 current players, such as LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and Steph Curry. Uh, looking at the the screen cap, I see uh, Donald Trump has yeah. been added, <laughs> Harambe, Hillary Clinton, and of course the the great Harambe. <laughs> this is pretty cool. I I really do like playing sports games, but I'm not a huge sports watcher in real life. I loved NBA Jam back in the day. That was just one of the greatest, uh, probably one of the greatest sports games ever, <laughs> along with. Um, Let's see. There was Tecmo Bowl, which was really good, uh, mm-hmm. and in, uh, NFL Blitz was probably one of the most. Fun. NFL Blitz was a blast. God, that game was so fun. But I'm I'm happy about this. And it says uh, whether or not you're up to date on the latest teams taking the court. Um, let's see. You will need an original ROM of Tournament Edition to which you can apply the downloadable X Delta patch. Full instructions can be found in the patch download. Uh, it doesn't give any link to where you can find that, but I'm pretty sure if, if you're if you're the type of person that ha- hacks your your games and stuff like that, you should you know very well know how to get this stuff. They should make Harambe like unblockable. It will yeah. be hilarious. <laughs> oh, they do but give no, a link here. Um, yeah, if you go to retrocollect.com, way down at the bottom, there's a link. Uh, it's download NBA Jam 2K17. That's really cool. And funny story about NBA Jam. I never played this as a kid just because I didn't grow up watching basketball. But when I went to Houston back in November, we went to, I can't remember the name of the place off the top of my head, but it was a bar slash retro arcade. And you could play every game for free. Oh, I can't wait to play some barcades here. They had, uh, well, they had skee-ball, obviously. They had Mar- uh, Mario Kart. They had the original Ninja Turtles arcade, the Simpsons arcade. And they also had NBA Jam. Yeah. And I had never played this game before. And I got my ass beat <laughs> in this game. But that's really cool, though, that somebody went and added like, the, the current roster. That's that's awesome. Yeah. And I would love to play it if I... If- I could get my hands on it, but I just don't have the time to do this stuff, like hack my games and ROMs and all that stuff. Like everybody is always telling me, why don't you uh, get a Raspberry Pi and get all your games? I'm like, there's no fun in that. I like to search out the games. Like it's, there's no fun in getting a retro pie and, and getting all of like the NES games and SNES games that you can play. There's, there's no, there's just, I don't know. There's something that I don't, 
dig about that. You know, I, I want the thrill of the hunt. I want to be able to find the stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because that's half the battle. Yeah, exactly. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. Exactly. No, if somebody told me to find a raspberry pie, I would think, you know, they just want me to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, actually, um, from RetroCollect.com, also we have a story about an unreleased Nintendo 64 game, Rika, discovered. Back in the late 1990s, while Laura Croft was happily raiding tombs on pretty much every platform you could shake a stick at, Nintendo fans could have been forgiven for feeling a little left out. And in 64, owners got to plunder hidden treasure in Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine, but a true rival to Miss Cross exploit was conspicuous by its absence on Nintendo's powerful hardware. In an attempt to give gamers an equivalent adventure, Nintendo looked to a new heroine and teased shots of a 3D action adventure game with a female lead known as Rika. Uh, sadly, very little was ever seen of this game outside of a few rolling demos and a, fu and a few fuzzy screenshots and magazines of the era. Uh, after brief rumors that the game had been moved to GameCube, Rika vanished without a trace. It appears that the game was actually further into development than had previously been known, however, and a user known as Tin Ahu from the Assembler forums has recently uploaded footage of Rika in playable form. And they do actually have a uh, YouTube video here. It's about 10 minutes long of the Rika gameplay, and this actually looks really fun, and I don't know why this game was just dropped. Yeah, it's very interesting. Looking at the screen caps, it reminds me of a combination between GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. Yeah. Which, you know, GoldenEye, we talked about it last week, is one of, if not the greatest N64 game of all time. I, but I Perfect, would say it is. <laughs> Perfect Dark was very underrated as well. I felt like it kind of got some unfair comparisons to GoldenEye because it was released, you know, in that same era. But Perfect Dark was a really fun game, too, and... You know, looking at these screen caps and the fact that it's a, a female uh, a female protagonist that's the lead makes me think of Perfect Dark. You know, it was it was a shame this game wasn't released. Well, maybe if they find complete ROMs and stuff of this game, maybe they could uh, put it out for download or something like that, so you could at least get to play it. I mean, it looks from the looks of it, it looks like the game was pretty polished. Yeah, it does. It, who knows with all the the revival of classic games. You never know. Yeah, and plus all the new games and stuff they're discovering that never came out. I mean, I don't know why they don't just put them out. You know, here's a new Super Nintendo game. Here you go. Absolutely. And uh, actually, that's it for our news of the week. We're going to move into uh, this month in video game history. In February of 1987, February 20th to be exact, Konami releases Contra arguably um, one of the better games for uh, the Nintendo, but uh, Super C is definitely up there as one of the all-time classics of the NES. Absolutely. You know, I, we've, I've heard you sing the praises of that game multiple weeks on the show. Still haven't played it on the mini NES, but I'm I promise I'll get around to it. it. I'm, I'm still on the hunt for it at the flea markets, and I cannot find a copy of Super C anywhere. Even even at the uh, the local retro gaming store, I can't find one. I haven't actually seen one either. I actually went to a retro gaming store this afternoon, and you know didn't re didn't really have too much that uh, that stood out to me. But I'm sure you'll be able to find it one day. It'll be one of those days where you're not really looking for it, and it's bam, gonna be right there. And it's always weird too. Like I was I was commenting to my wife yesterday. 
we always every time I go to the flea market, like the last time I went was when I got the Sega and um the um what was it? Not DuckTales, uh Tailspin. And mm-hmm. I, I scored pretty big that day. And it's always every other time I go. This we went yesterday, Saturday, and just crapped out, man. Didn't get a damn thing. So I'm thinking next time I go, it's always the every other time. Every other time I go, I either hit it big or I find nothing. So next time should be uh should be lucky. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. Well, thank you. In 1988, on February 10th, Enix releases Dragon Quest III. Now, I've never played any of the Dragon Quest games, but I know they have their following. Yeah, I never played any of them either. But, you know, I I know a lot of people like that franchise. Oh, actually, this is uh, Dragon Warrior. I actually have the first Dragon Warrior. This is is technically Dragon Warrior III. Oh, really? Yeah, now that I just clicked on it. I did Let's not know see. that. I learned something me, new every day. Let me look that up real quick. Oh, the box art's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was previously released as Dragon Warrior 3 in North America. Um, it was released in Japan as Dragon Quest 3. Don't you love when they change titles? Yeah. Depending so on what continent they, they release it on. Yeah, it was so weird how they did that back in the day. Yeah, I I remember that, especially with like the Super Nintendo games, because uh, a game that I reviewed early on in the show, Illusion of Gaia, was called Illusion of Time Mm -hmm. in other countries. So So it was interesting. In 1991, on February 14th, DMA Design releases Lemmings, a puzzle game that requires the player to lead a group of lemmings through a dangerous environment to an escape portal. I remember seeing uh, ads for this in Nintendo Power and different magazines, gaming magazines at the time. I had no interest in playing this game (laughs) at all. Still don't. It's funny you say that because as soon as I read this story earlier when you posted it, I instantly thought of all the publicity it got in Nintendo Power. Like They did huge stories on this game, but like you, I had zero interest in playing it. I I just couldn't understand... like they would describe it and you know there were screenshots and i i just i didn't get it i still don't get it yeah i i don't either but uh in february 6th of 1991 capcom releases street fighter 2 for arcades it becomes highly successful and is routinely listed as the grandfather of the fighting game genre it is also credited with revitalizing the arcade game industry at the time and popularizing direct tournament level competition between players. There is a huge Street Fighter following. Yeah, to this day. I mean, you're talking 26 years later. The game is still one of the top fighting games of all time. It just goes to show, just because it all it's old doesn't mean it's bad. No, absolutely. This and Mortal Kombat are great examples of stories that just stand the test of time. But I'll be and honest. It, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, No, I was just going to say, I think this game, Street Fighter 2, actually holds up better than the original Mortal Kombat because the graphics just hold up better to me, personally. I'd have to go back and look at the graphics real quick, but what's interesting is I mentioned I went to a a retro uh, game store today. Well, they, they also sell a ton of pop figures, and those you know how popular those things are these days. Mm-hmm. And they actually have now Street Fighter 
pop figures. Really? And I'm just saying they, they don't have Mortal Kombat ones. I like Mortal Kombat better. That was the game I grew up playing, but you know, when I saw those Street Fighter pops, I'm like, uh, Mortal Kombat needs to step up their game. I would totally buy a Sub Zero pop. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, pop <laughs> figures, they've they've got pretty much licenses on everything. They're gonna run out of stuff eventually. They're gonna be doing pop figures for like soap operas. And you never know. You never know. I might have to start my Young and the Restless <laughs> pop collection at some point. Yeah. Have a little, no, they're uh, they're coming out with a, a ton more. I've seen, uh, especially like over the last week or so, I've seen South Park, uh, the new live action Beauty and the Beast. I, there's a ton of them. There's Mega Man ones. Wow. Uh, they don't they don't have like. I'm surprised they don't have any Nintendo ones, but I figure maybe Nintendo will allow that at some point. They have Pac-Man ones. I've seen Pac-Man and the Four Ghosts. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, Nintendo keeps a, a tight grip on their their intellectual properties like that. I, I think yeah. if they were going to do some sort of pop figure, they would probably do that themselves instead of giving out the license. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I'm looking at the a screen cap from Street Fighter 2. Yeah, the graphics still still don't look terrible. Yeah, they're they're great. Even back the port to the SNES, I think that was probably one of the best looking games for the SNES, especially as far as fighting games go. Oh, for sure. I couldn't tell you the last time I played a Street Fighter game. It's been a long, long, long time. Yeah, it's been a long time for me too, but I got to tell you, back in the 90s, that was the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat both. But I believe that does it for this month in video game history. And before we move on to my review this week, I'd like to remind you that for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And they have a ton of books to choose from, over 180,000. I'm sure that's like four or five lifetimes worth of books. So you've got uh, Star Wars, you've got Divergent, Lord of the Rings, Mass Effect, Halo, um, individual books as well. They have several autobiographies. And if you're a Star Wars fan, I would highly recommend getting a Star Wars book. I'm listening to Bloodline. And the thing about a Star Wars book that's maybe different than others is that you feel like you're really a part of the universe because it's it has the music, the sound effects, different voices. You feel like you're you're listening to a movie in a way. Oh, yeah. So I, I highly recommend checking out Star Wars Bloodline. It's been great so far. And I can't wait to see how the story ends up. But to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. Well, here we go. We're going to be talking about, actually, Derek's going to be talking about Secret of Evermore. Uh, that music's so ominous, isn't it? I know. I, I, I was, that was totally not what I was expecting because I'd never played this game before. I didn't know anything about it. And when I 
uh, captured the music for it. I was like, man, this is ominous. Yeah, it has a a very very apocalyptic feel to it uh, throughout the whole game. This, of course, is Secret of Evermore. It is an action role-playing game for the SNES. It, re- it was released by Square in North America on October 1st, 1995, and was released uh, in February 96 in Europe and Australia. It was actually never released in Japan, huh. which is very crazy to think about during that time. Yeah. But the story of Secret of Evermore follows a boy and his pet dog as they are inadvertently transported to a fantasy world created by an eccentric inventor. The player guides both the boy and his shape-shifting dog through Evermore, a world that is composed of separate realms, each resembling a different period of real-world history. It shares many similarities with Secret of Mana, such as real-time battles, menu, and the ability to switch control between the two characters. And something that was actually a little controversial with this game it kind of got more slack than it deserved because it wasn't the Secret of Mana sequel that everyone wanted. It was made by the same company, but it doesn't exist in that universe. And I feel like this game kind of got an unfair deal because rather than people looking at it objectively, they're like, well, this isn't the game we wanted, so we're not going to give it a chance. Yeah, well, maybe they should have named it something different instead of Secret of Evermore because, you know, Secret of Mana... Secret of Evermore, it sounds like a direct sequel. No, I totally agree. It should have just been called Evermore. Yeah. I think. And it, it even if you take the secret of and it's just like, oh, Evermore, it even sounds more ominous. Yeah. But the the gameplay is very similar to Secret of Mana, as I mentioned in the the description. You can switch between the kid and the dog. You get different weapons throughout the game. You start out with a a, a giant bone. Because um, the first world you start out in is like a prehistoric setting. Uh, there are four different um, four different settings. There's um, the prehistoric segment, um, the like an ancient Egyptian theme. Then you have medieval, uh, the medieval world, and then you go to the space station. And I can't remember exactly the um, the reasoning. But every realm you go to, your dog changes its shape. So say when you're in Prehistoria, which is the the prehistoric world, your dog is basically like a wolf. In the the Colosseum and Pyramid world, he basically turns into a greyhound. In Gothica, which is medieval, he turns into a poodle, which is kind of disappointing. And then uh, Omnitopia, which is the, uh, the space station, he turns into a robot who can shoot <laughs> lasers out of his eyes. Wow. But it, it's, a, it's a very interesting story. Like the, the beginning of it, how it kind of set the scene. It takes place, the beginning is in the mid-60s. And it's funny because I never got this reference until I was reading the description. The town that the kid is from and where the story begins is called Podunk. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so this scientist has built this machine to be able to travel to an alternate world. Well, it goes haywire and he gets stuck in the alternate world. Fast forward to the nineties, this kid walks out of a theater and it's the title of the movie he saw. I can't remember, but it sounded very nineties, like a cheap horror movie or a cheap sci-fi movie. 
his dog, who for some reason could go in the theater with him, uh, chases after a cat, leads them to the old mansion. They activate the machine and they get stuck in Evermore. Hmm. So it, it's um it's a very it's an interesting story and you you learn more along the way and I I don't want to give away too much for people who still want to play it because I think the story is actually really good and it ends up being a lot more personal when it comes to the um, the professor who invents the machine. But, you know, going through the different worlds and each having a different setting and you also learn um, it's not necessarily magic. It's more like um, what's the correct term? Alchemy, where you basically combine different items like um, like wax and limestone and you can combine those together to form like an attack potion that you can use on enemies. So you don't technically use magic in the traditional sense. You have to have actual ingredients because the kid doesn't have, you know, magic abilities. So it's uh in every realm, you know, has specific elements that uh that you can collect. So say like um in the the space station you get ethanol and dry ice and you combine those two together but if you're in the prehistoric realm you combine like clay and limestone so each there are different spells and attacks for each specific realm which i think is kind of cool that's awesome it sounds like this kind of game is right up my alley i would love to have played this the the unfortunate thing is it's not really on any virtual console which is very surprising. Like they never put it on the Wii or the Wii U. Maybe eventually they'll put it on the Switch. And it's a game that I have not been able to find in stores huh. uh, anywhere around here. So I, I've been meaning to look on eBay and see if I can, you know, actually find it for a decent price. Because it's a game that, you know, I only beat once. I only fully played through the game one time. And it would be a game that I'd love to go back and revisit someday. Because I was watching gameplay a couple of days ago, kind of trying to remember a little bit of of the game itself because it's been so long since I played it. But you can look at a screen cap on the Wikipedia page. Graphics are actually, I think, a tad bit better than The Secret of Mana. But the, the mechanics and the gameplay are very, very similar. Yeah, I love the look of these type... I... I just love the graphics on the SNES, especially for these uh, RPG type games. The, the graphics were just so bright and pretty. Oh yeah, and another cool thing, uh, as far as weapons go, you get like a big variety of weapons throughout each realm that you go to. So, like I mentioned, when you go to the prehistoric realm, you start out with just a, a giant bone that you have to hit enemies with, and then you can get you know swords, axes, uh, even a bazooka at some point in the game so there's um there's quite a variety in this game and like i think one thing that sets it apart from secret of mana secret of mana pretty much entirely took place in a a medieval type setting but secret of evermore you get a variety you get to go to you know the prehistoric era you get to go to ancient egypt to the castles of you know of Europe or the United Kingdom, and then you get to go to space. Wow. So it's, it's, it's a really, really fun game. I think it's extremely underrated. And like I said at the beginning of the review, I think that it kind of got an unfair shake 
because it wasn't the Secret of Mana sequel. Yeah. Well, it says here that it looks like this was meant to be a two-player game. Uh, says many of Secret of Evermore's elements were copied from Secret of Mana because they had been proven effective. The size of the game was an early issue. It was decided that the game would be a single-player uh, to preserve memory because it was originally planned to be only 12 megabits. However, the game would double to 24 megabits near the end of development. Various pieces of concept art were designed by Daniel Dochui using computer software, including SGI ND2 and alias workstations. The game's artwork and design were mapped out by three animators, four background artists, and a 3D rendering artist. Interesting. I, I did not know that. So I guess it must have originally been uh, one person would control the dog and one person would control the the boy. Maybe that was the original concept. Yeah. No, I, I could definitely see that. But as far as uh, reviews go, Secret of Evermore received positive reviews from most media outlets, mostly praising its graphics. For instance, RPG Fan called the game a wonderful visual experience, applauding its use of color, animation, and background. Uh, let's see, Zachary Lewis of RPG Gamer, <clears throat> excuse me, noticed that the locales found in Secret of Evermore were detailed in a much more realistic way than other games of the genre. And just listing some of the reviews, Nintendo Life gave it 8 out of 10 stars. Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a 33.5 out of 40. Nintendo Power, 3.8 out of 5. RPG Gamer, 4 out of 5. And Next Generation gave it four out of five stars. So it got good reviews. It just, I guess this game must have just not been received very well by the public. That's really what it was. Like, it was a critical success, but fans, for some reason, didn't want to give it a chance. And plus, this came out, and I think the reason that most of these type of games passed me by is because this did come out in 95, and in October of 95 and I was actually starting college that fall. So I was well out of uh, the video game world at that point and concentrating on school. So pretty much everything made, like I really started to get out of video gaming around 90, I would say probably about 94 and didn't get back into it until the late nineties when I picked up a Nintendo 64, probably around it was around 99, 2000, I bought, a, I bought a Nintendo 64, and then after that, I jumped to the Xbox. So, I, and I didn't even get a GameCube until around 2006, I think, I bought one. Uh, it was used at GameStop, I think, and uh, played it for a couple of years. But uh, yeah, a lot of this stuff that between like 95, 94, 95 to about 2000, just all of that passed me by. That's why I'm here. Yeah, exactly. You're you're to cover the the gap in my gaming history. Yeah, and you get to talk about the the stuff that I didn't get to play because I was I was too young to do it. Exactly. And actually, um, I guess if you that if you're wrapped up for this week, we need to let everybody know that next weekend, um, the weekend of February seventeenth through nineteenth, we are going to be at Pensacon uh, in Pensacola, Florida. And we will not have a show next week, but you can actually come and say hi to us at Pensacon. We will be there. Are we? 
Yes, we are. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Yes, I'm. I'm well, really I know excited I'm going to be there. Con. You better be there because you're uh, you're emceeing the uh, the panels that I'm on. And I do appreciate the shout out you guys gave me on on Pop Culture Palette last oh, week. No problem. But no, it's uh, it's 17th through the 19th. It's this weekend. Uh, tickets are still available. Just go to pensacon.com. There's a ton of people there. Uh, Nature Boy, Ric Flair, Mick Foley, Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, just announced Sean Astin from Lord of the Rings is going to yes. be there. That is huge. That's awesome. He'll be there uh, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, voice actors, comic artists. Uh, speaking of comic artists, the great Steve Scott will be yes, there. He will be, actually, he's doing a bunch of panels, too, so keep an eye out for that. Yes, he is. Uh, definitely download the Pensacon app yep. if you're going because it's very well organized. Uh, you can even make your own schedule yes. of things that you want to do. Like my, my girlfriend actually downloaded the app today and has already set up a schedule of you know what all she's going to do. So yeah, the app it's very is easy awesome. to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be doing – what time's our panel? Uh, for which one? The Monsters Anonymous. Uh, yeah, the Monsters Anonymous panel. If you want to come meet me and Derek, you can come to the Monsters Anonymous panel, which is the short film that Wally and I made uh, earlier this year, or actually last year. Um, we're doing a showing and a panel, and Derek's going to be the uh, the what do they call it? <laughs> I just went blank. The moderator. I, yeah, the moderator. He's going to be the moderator of the panel. So come by. It's going to be at four o'clock on Saturday the 18th at the Grand Hotel Room B. Sweet. Yeah, definitely come by. I, I'm excited to to hear all of you guys talk about the movie. Oh, it's going to be so fun. I I wish we had more than 45 minutes, but I, we're going to try to pack as much into that 45 minutes as we possibly can. It'll be a great 45 minutes. And then you're doing uh, an independent filmmaker panel as well. Yeah, the independent filmmaker panel is going to be in the same room, uh, the Grand Hotel Room B at... 1.30 on Sunday the 19th. And I'm actually going to do my best to actually come by and watch the panel. So I will, if I'm not there, I've actually, I'm I'm heading up the video team and I've scheduled somebody to actually film it, so. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah I was so, hoping you would, you would be there. I wasn't sure if you were going to be moderating that panel or not. No, Sunday, uh, Sunday I'm mostly doing uh, Nerd Cave stuff. So my only panels okay. I'm moderating are Saturday. I'm moderating yours, and also at 1 o'clock p.m. at the uh, Pensacola Little Theater, I will be moderating the Jake the Snake Roberts and Adrian Street wrestling panel. And that's, yes. that's going to be – that's like a dream come true for me to do like some type of you know wrestling thing. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I'm going to come see you guys panel too. You're going uh the Nerd Cave guys are going to be doing some uh podcasting panels also at Pensacon which you need to go see. Just download the app. Uh you'll be able to see what time everything is, where it's going to be. You can make your own schedule. The app is awesome. So just download that and um plan out your trip. Absolutely. Yeah, hopefully we uh hopefully we see all you guys out at Pensacon this weekend. And go check out all the other podcasts on the Nerd Cave Network because the Nerd Cave podcast, they're talking about Pensacon. Uh, the last episode of the Pop Culture Palette that we did the other day had Steve Wise, who was the program director of Pensacon. And he also wrote act, wrote an actual script for a Batman movie back in the 90s. It didn't get made, 
but you can still purchase it on Amazon. And all that is in the show notes for the last pop culture palette show, which you can get at PCPradio.com and also go to nerdcavenetwork.com. Uh, y'all still have the website, right? Yes. Yes, we do. Good. Cause I, I don't check anything ever. <laughs> it's, oh, it's all good. It, also yeah. kind of, you know, putting the, the lid on the cap of all the Pensacon stuff. Tuesday on my solo show, The Derek Diamond Experience, my guest will be Pensacon guest from AMC's comic book men, Mr. Ming Chen. That's awesome. So you'll definitely want to check that out. Really nice guy. We spent half the show talking about Star Wars, which I had no issue with whatsoever. But he's a really cool guy. I can't wait to meet both him and Mike Zabsik. Oh, yeah. I'm going to try to meet those guys, too, because... uh I got some things I want them to give to the comic book show, uh, the comic book men guys. Sweet. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for this week. And like I said, we're not going to be here next week. We're not going to have a show, but when we do come back the week after uh, the 26th, which the show will be out on the 27th, I believe uh, we are going to have a guest. Should I go ahead and reveal who the guest is or waiting to surprise everybody? I'll go ahead and uh, I'd go ahead and tell him make him sit on it for a couple of weeks. Okay, well, it's going to be Mr. Paris Lilly from Gamertag Radio is going to join us right here on the Nerd Cave Retro Show, and you do not want to miss that show because Paris Lilly is one of the most awesome people on the planet, one of the best podcasters on the planet. He's the guy that made me want to be a podcaster. So if uh, if you hate me and you hate my shows, blame him. it's all good i've heard him on pop culture palette and i can't wait to talk with him yeah we always have him on once a year at the end of the year to kind of go over we always do a uh, prediction show and then we come back the next year and do a uh, see if our predictions came true show i like it but uh yeah um come back in two weeks, come see us at Pensacon and do what you got to do to meet us because we'd love to talk to you and, and um, let us know how much you like the show and what you would like us to talk about. And definitely get a hold of us at NerdCaveRetro uh, at Gmail. I can't talk. NerdCaveRetro at gmail.com. You can go to our website at NerdCaveRetro.com. We're on Inst- Instagram and Twitter at NerdCaveRetro and at JFuntastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. And we're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. And I'm going to go unspool my tongue now because I can't talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So let's go ahead and get out of here. Tell them what it's about, Derek. We'll see you guys at Pensacon. Yes. And we'll also see you right back here in two weeks with Mr. Paris Lilly. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.